Welcome to the Enneamom. I am your host, Kendra Green, and this is episode number eight. I am so excited that you're joining me for today's episode. If you don't already know, this is the place where motherhood and the Enneagram collide. However, I know there are some dads listening, so maybe I should say this is a place where parenthood and the Enneagram collide. Today we are continuing the series, Mommy Monsters Part 3. This is, we're going to talk about why mommy monsters appear and how to avoid them, more specifically for the head triad types, which are 5, 6, and 7. My hope for this short and sweet episode is not only can you listen to it while you are hiding from your children in the bathroom, but maybe also on your way to work or on your way home or while you're waiting for your kids in the car rider line. But my hope is that it would be fun, informative, and encouraging. Let's listen in. Hey friends, so glad to be with you today. So if you follow me on Instagram, then you know that I was recently in West Virginia with Jared. He was doing a job um, at a church there uh, for his sound company called Resound. Um, It's an AVL company actually, but I was so glad to get to travel with him and most of all, to get to sleep all the way through the night and to just have time to wake up in the morning. And I even got an entire day to myself on Monday, just working on something that I'm a project that I'm working on that I am going to release to the world soon. I'm not quite ready to tell all of you just yet, but really excited about um, that. And so it was really nice to get to have the entire day on Monday to work and to just have the day to myself. My Apple Watch was reminding me several times to get up and move, but I was like, excuse me, I am focused. You cannot tell me what to do. But when we got home, um, Landon told me, he says, you're the best mommy and daddy's the best daddy. And I don't think y'all are mean anymore. (laughs) And I just thought that was so funny because, you know, when we're around our kids all the time, especially this year during quarantine, it's like when you're in such tight spaces constantly, your appreciation for each other just lessens, right? And, you know, people ask me when I'm out of town, do you miss your kids? And while I love and adore my kids when I'm with them most of the time, sometimes I think they're annoying, (laughs) but while I'm out of town, like I don't miss them because I am with them so much, and it's so nice to get a break, and I think it's so good to get to the place where you don't have mom guilt about getting away because, I mean, it's so important for us to get rest and just be able to collect our thoughts and be able to plan for the future, things that we don't get to do when our heads are just down and, you know, in the muck of everyday life. I say muck, but, you know, there's magical things a part of, about the day, too, so... Um, the whole day is not mucky, (laughs) but you know what I mean? When you just get your head down and you get focused, it's so hard to just look up and appreciate life, right? So let's get into our episode today. What is a mommy monster? Over the last few weeks, I've given examples of times when we have a tendency to yell at our kids. Sometimes we're just so tired that we have little patience, but I also want to remind you that we can be a monster to ourselves just as much as we are to monsters to others. And sometimes we're more of a monster to ourselves, right? We hold expectations of ourselves that are just way too heavy to realistically carry. So when the day is through, we get mad at ourselves for not being the friend, the wife, the mom that we feel like we should be, right? I want to encourage you right now to just throw that word away. Throw the word should away. Stop shooting yourself or else those mind monsters are going to come in full force. Yes, I said shoulding. Okay, I didn't say anything else, despite what you thought you heard. 
I said shooting. Stop shooting yourself <laughs> or else those mind monsters are going to come. And they come especially when you finally get your kids to bed and you get a few minutes to yourself. And, you know, maybe you start falling asleep and your mind's just racing about all the different ways you could have done things today, right? If you are not a healthy you, you are not going to be able to give the good part of yourself to your family. You're going to give them leftovers. We don't want to give our family our leftovers, right? Well, remember, our goal on this Enneagram journey is to give ourselves some grace, but also learn how to find our way to our truer self, a truer version of ourselves. And as a mom, one of my greatest desires is to love my family well. And at the end of each day, when they leave my house, or at the end of the day, when they leave my house, whether literally at the, you know, at the during the day in the morning when they leave for school or at the end of the day, meaning when they leave my house for good, like for college or to go off in the world. Um, I want my kids to leave my house full of peace and full of purpose. I don't want my kids to leave damaged. And, you know, I joke with my kids that I'm going to pay for their therapy someday, but I, you know, I don't want that to happen. I don't want my kids to leave damaged. (laughs) So I want to do the best I can while they're here. Judith Hogan says, we are called to taste and touch the embrace of God. Through venturing into the true self, we come to understand that love is truly the only currency that matters and that receiving God's love is our primary responsibility. Only when God's love has been genuinely received can the true self be called out and enabled to give away the love in us in worshipful living. So you see, it's not by our efforts that we become our true selves, and it's not by our efforts that we can feel love or give love, but only by resting in God's love. I want to revisit this thought at the end, but let's move on to the centers of intelligence in this series. We have um, covered already the body triad, we've covered the heart triad, and today we're going to focus on the head triad, also known as the thinking center. This is the center where we do all of our thinking. And I want to remind you that even if you're not in this triad, we still need to tap into this. We want to be able to tap into every one of the centers to become a more balanced person because we can't be so heavy in the feeling triad, right? And we can't be so heavy in the body triad that we dismiss our thinking center. So we need to have a balance in our thinking heart and um, in our gut center. So we need to make sure all of those centers are working together to make us our truer selves, okay? So um, those in this center particularly are dominant in the thinking center. And when it comes to making decisions, they will use their mental faculties first. It's from this head center that we observe. This is where our, our analyzing skills come from. This is where we make conclusions. We can categorize, remember, imagine, and plan. Our complex and active minds are so filled with thoughts and ideas, all driven by the desire to make sense of the world. There's also wisdom and a way of knowing beyond the factual data, and this is where the head triad comes in. In terms of the three human basic needs, those in the head center are most concerned with safety and security. They think through things in order to have certainty and to be prepared. Fear and anxiety are the most common feelings in this center because they are always aware of potential threats to their own well-being or that of their family. Each of these types in the triad, in this triad, approaches their need for safety and security differently. The fives will gather and analyze data. The sixes will prepare for the worst. 
Um, there are, you know, those are going to be your preppers, the ones that are planning for the end of the world. So you want to have a six in your life, just saying, especially during quarantine. And the sevens, they plan for a way of escape. Now, how is the mommy monster in each of these types coaxed out? So let's look at the five first. For the five or the observer parent, your mommy monster can be coaxed out when you are expected to be spontaneous. You can begin to feel bad at the end of the day when you realize that the people around you don't really know how you feel about them and that you feel lonely because you haven't reached out to any of your friends in a while. While you prefer to respond when you are ready, how do your children know what you're thinking in a particular situation? Do you approve of them or disapprove of them? Observer parents can be minimalists in many areas of their lives and can be minimalistic also in expressing their praise or disapproval. You know, a lot of times when we think of spontaneity, we think of just like action, right? Like going to do things. But spontaneity also has to do with expressing your feelings and your thoughts. Um, You can spontaneously express that even when you don't feel like you're ready to do that. Observer parents, their preference is to think through it and write out a carefully worded message of appreciation or disapproval. Maybe even leaving a note or sending an email to someone. If they have to be face-to-face, they would rather... Maybe read something off to the person, um, you know, from a note, then spontaneously have to make a remark in the moment. This also can come into play when it comes to activities. The observer parent would rather plan an outing to a T rather than spontaneously just doing something. And this may serve you well at work or out with friends. You know, we all want a friend that is going to plan everything. Um, that's me. I like to I like to have a friend. My husband's a seven, and when we go on vacation, he's the planner. I am not. I could care less. When we go on a cruise, I don't even know what country we're in. I'm just like, you take care of it all, and I'm just going to chill and have a good time. So we all want a friend that is a planner, right? But with your family, this doesn't always come into play because you know with children, you can't plan everything. You can try, but it doesn't always work out. And sometimes in order for them to use their imagination and have fun, spontaneity is key. So here is the action item for you. Here is, here's something that's going to help you move to a truer version of yourself and, and, and have more fun with your family. Um, it's, it's to practice role modeling spontaneity for your kids. Okay, so practice role, uh, <laughs> role model spontaneity for your kids. They need to see you practicing spontaneity. And I say practice because you're not going to get it right for the first you know, few times. It may take you a while to get used to that and, and used to that feeling of anxiety of like, okay, I'm doing this, but I don't have it planned out. It's not going to feel good probably, <laughs> but the key is that your children are learning that it's okay to do something even when you don't have everything lined up and all your ducks in a row right off the bat. So even if the words don't come out the way you want them to, learn to trust yourself and let go. Speak to your kids naturally and freely. Try not to only praise them for their academic work or good ideas or creative solutions to problems. Okay, praise them for expressing their feelings, for reaching out to others, for the way they are in social interactions. With all of your best intentions, your natural bias is to try to teach them that if they can interpret the world rationally through thought and acquiring knowledge and gathering information, that nothing expected can happen to them, that they can be safe. Remember, there's also safety in sound relationships and emotional interconnection. No matter how much we plan, no matter how much we prepare, 
Things will not always go our way. And when they don't, we're going to need relationships to lean on. I feel like this is where we as parents can teach our children that we can lean on Christ, that we can have faith because the opposite of faith is certainty. So we will not always be certain, but we can be certain in our relationship with Christ. So take this perspective instead of at the end of the day, you know, realizing that you lost connection with your children, that you didn't have connection with your children because you were so focused on preparing and information. So make sure that you are practicing spontaneity and that you're practicing showing your children um, the ability to trust and have faith, okay? So for the type six parent or the questioner parent, what is going to cause you to be a mommy monster is you're feeling the need to constantly play the devil's advocate. You don't realize this, but at some point it is going to wear on your mental capacity. It's going to wear you down. Questioner parents uh, put great store and clear logical thinking, and they communicate from this perspective. Naturally, they would like their child to also develop these habits. They try hard to encourage their child to think along several different paths that incorporate these patterns. They might uh, question their children a lot and say, you know, what are you thinking? Why are you thinking that? How did you come to that decision? And what are you going to do with that decision? They're trying to teach their children a skill to draw conclusions from the available information, which is great. Essentially, they want to teach the child how to work logically with theory and with concepts. Questioners are skeptics, though, and they display skepticism as to whether their child is really learning all the things that they need to at school. They, can, they seek certainty and are never sure that their child has got to the point of what they're talking about. So, the questioner parent is going to continually ask children questions. They're going to um, maybe even <laughs> look like a nagging parent because they want to make sure that the child demonstrates that she got the point. Many children find this type of probing annoying. More than likely, um, questioner parents, when they were students, never took things at face value. They were probably the strong devil's advocate in the classroom, always challenging um, and questioning the things they were learning, not not necessarily to bring down authority, um, because that's how it looked, but to make sure that what they were hearing was truthful and accurate. As parents, they find maybe they're still the devil's advocate for the ideas they support. At the end of the day, this can be exhausting, especially when you realize that you have sacrificed connection for protection, and yet there are still so many scenarios to think through. Sometimes that may help. What may help you is to remember that your children may not understand your passion for logical thinking. So that is your action, is is coming to terms of understanding, okay? That you might have a path of logical thinking that your children don't understand and may never understand it. When you question them constantly about whether or not they know what you're saying, when you push them to think through, to think logically, they may not realize that you're questioning their thinking and not them, Remember, children are very concerned about how their parents view them. And so when they feel like you're constantly questioning them, they think that there's something wrong with them. So they may take your questioning personally, and they may even back off from engaging with you. And this would be a sad thing because you have so much to offer your children in the realm of thinking skills. Remember that we are all different. We all think and communicate differently. You are programmed to think, for instance, in terms of pros and cons, which is great, but your children may never think that way. They may never be, that may never be their style of processing. Allow your kids to express their feelings without your need to dissect them every time. Try not to doubt them and make sure that your love for them is expressed with words. 
Last but not least, we're going to talk about the type seven, the entertainer parent. And I am dedicating this section to my husband. Just kidding. But he, he is a type seven. <laughs> what can cause you to be a mommy monster is your racing mind and your mental fog. So I heard it said one time that a seven's mind is so full of thoughts and ideas that for something to stand out as like a memorable moment, it has to be so strong to penetrate through the outside layer of fog that's around their brain. Because the activity, it's like the activity is so, it's like such a flurry and it goes so fast that it would appear like a fog around their brain. And so, for example, like things that me and my husband both remember are different. I will remember things that he doesn't because he, you know, it wasn't a significant memory for him. Whereas I feel like my brain remembers everything except where my keys are, right? Like that's so annoying. How can I remember so many things, but I don't remember where I put my phone or where my keys are. (laughs) But for those type seven entertainer mommies is, um, you're, what you need to do is you need to slow your racing mind, especially in family interactions. The entertainer mind works so fast that it trips over itself. There are so many circuits running at the same time. It's like having several plug, several things plugged up at one time. This feature of a racing mind is generally regarded by entertainers as a huge plus. They gain great pleasure from their ability to think fast along different tracks, but they're aware also of a downside. An entertainer parent might say, my mind moves so rapidly, I'm comfortable with that, but I know I'm too fast for lots of people, including my children at times. I assume they can follow or that it's interesting to them as it is to me to go off on tangents. I've had to teach them how to give me feedback. I can have at least three different tracks in my mind at once, literally having mental conversations with people while I'm thinking of something else. So I've taught my husband and children to verify appointments with me. If it's something important, they must ask me, mom, are you there? Not repeat it back. You're pick- now repeat it back. You're picking me up at three from soccer today. It's pathetic, but they've learned they can be left high and dry, so they must not assume that I heard them. So entertainer parents can get so caught up in their own minds with future plans and ideas that they disregard the plans and ideas of others because it simply sounds boring or mundane to them. And your kids are going to pick up on this. They're going to think that you think they're boring or that you don't want to do what they want. If you're not careful, you might find yourself upset at the end of the day because you were just getting through parenting today while waiting for something more fun and more exciting to come by. So there's hope. A great action for entertainer parents is to realize that often you fail to share with others the leaps between your ideas that your mind makes. They sometimes put your family at a loss to understand your thinking. You get so caught up in your own mental energy that you tend to leave your children and others behind. (laughs) Ask them to tell you when this is happening. Some children feel insecure when you throw out one plan seemingly without a moment's thought for another. It doesn't feel safe for them. So ask them to, so take them with you on your train of thought. On, your other, on the other hand, there will be no parent as exhilarating to children as an entertainer because nothing will ever be the same way twice. Be sure to allow your kids to see that you have fun being their parent. Following their, the imagination of a child can be an exciting adventure just as much as the adventure going on in your own head.
Okay, I know that was a lot of information, so I want to offer a moment to just pause. Let's stop what we're doing and breathe in together and breathe out. It feels good, right? When was the last time you breathed deeply? Sometimes we just need to take a deep breath. I want to offer you some questions to quiet your mind and contemplate on what we just talked about earlier, the love of God. It's his love that helps us return to our true selves, the version of ourselves that he created created us to be. And as I read these questions, I want you to write down a one or two word response, but there's no pressure to do that, especially if you're driving. Maybe, um, you know, just bookmark this spot. I don't think you can do that. You can do that in audiobooks, but not a podcast. (laughs) So just come back to this part later and take some time to just um, allow your thoughts to meditate on these questions. So the first question is, do you sense the freedom available to you as God draws you into his love? You can just create a picture in your mind of what that looks like. As God draws you into his love, do you sense that freedom? Number two, what obstacles and negative mindsets are you invited to disown and release to him? What thoughts have been coming up in your mind this week that are telling you you can't do something or that you're less than or that you're not worthy? What do you need to lay down at the feet of Jesus today? Three, what new life do you sense emerging as your layers of protection slowly fall away? So what what do you have protecting you on the outside? Are your thoughts, your information, your planning, is that all layers of protection? How can you peel those off? What new life could emerge? Number four, can you picture God's unique image on you and the possibilities for its expression in the world? Because remember, God made you to express his unique image. So how can you picture that expression in the world. And then number five, how might you respond to his invitation of love? Maybe it's in the form of a smile and just saying, thank you, Jesus. Maybe it's time for you to put on some worship music and spend time in his presence. So how can you respond to his invitation of love? I hope those questions offered you some breathing space in your day today. But before we conclude our time here together, I would like to offer you a scripture and a prayer. Today I'm reading from Every Moment Holy, and the liturgy is for students and scholars. And I thought this was so fitting as those in the thinking triad and possibly other other Enneagram types are lifelong learners. The scripture is from Proverbs 9, verses 9 through 10. It says, Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is in the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. O Lord, may I learn to love learning, for the world is yours, and all things in it speak each in their own way of you, of your mind, your designs, your artistry, your power, and your unfolding purpose. All knowledge is your knowledge. All wisdom is your wisdom. Therefore, as I apply myself to learning, 
May I be mindful that all created things are your creative expression, that all stories are held within your greater story, and that all disciplines of order and design are a chasing after your thoughts. May greater mastery of the subjects yield even greater knowledge of the symmetry and wonder of your ways. God grant me discernment and wisdom. Guard me from error. God grant me knowledge and understanding. Lead me to your truth. God bless the labors of this new season and shape me for your service today, Lord. Amen. You guys are just the best. I am so honored that you came and spent time with me today on the Enya Mom. You know, every time I get on the app and I see how many people listen, I am just honored and humbled and blown away that anyone would want to listen to me. Um, But I am so grateful for your support every week. If you would, go rate and review this podcast. It helps it get out into the world, helps others know that it's here. And also, it might help people see that it's going to add value to them as well. Also, can you please go share this with a friend or family? If you're anything like me, I am a sharer. If I think something is helpful or that it's good, I'm not going to keep it to myself because I think that's selfish. I think you should go share it and send it out to your friends and family that might be helped by it as well. But I am so grateful that you joined me today. I look forward to it every week. I'll see you next time on The Enya Mom.